Welcome to Forge Comics. Your one-stop shop for discovering more about comic book characters, stories, and general analysis of these epic tales. So join us on this journey across mediums and multiverses to learn more about the amazing world of comics. I'm Trey. This is Jojo. And I'm Petey. Welcome, guys, to another episode. We're pretty excited this week. Um, we've got quite a few things to talk about, but before that, how have you guys been? Good. Just working, living the dream. Hey, pretty bored. No episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier to make fun of this week. No no debate against John Walker. We're, we're over that for now. I am Captain America. No, no psychoanalyzing because, um, well, all of us have already watched Invincible and I uh, will be the first to say that it is probably the best show of the three that we've kind of dove into. Yep. So Vision, Invincible and Falcon the Winter Soldier. So not even really a competition. It's been awesome. But I do have a suggested video for those of you who like listening to me rant about john walker uh, there is a screen rant pitch meeting about the falcon winter soldier and i think what's interesting is it, it jojo pointed out that these videos do make fun of good vi- good movies as well good movies and shows but when it makes fun of a bad movie or show it's hilarious because it's making fun of things that were stretches and then failed miserably so uh basically Screen Rant backed us up on all of our complaints about the show, and they did it in a much funnier way than we are capable of doing. <laughs> Sounds about yes. right. They've got a little more experience than we do. Exactly. Go check that out. All right, so what we have in comic news. So Jupiter's Lexi drops tomorrow. Super pumped about that. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm guessing just the way that Netflix does its things, it's going to just drop the whole series, which... Um, is kind of good and bad. <laughs> good for me because I can binge watch it, but I do think that it takes a little bit away of kind of the buildup and stuff that we've seen with the other episodes. I don't see or other series. I think it's just a, just a negative at this point. I think the those serial release is the way to go. Disney's proved that. Yeah, and Invincible, right? Invincible. I think that's what what's made it so good as well. Is like you're anticipating it. You're wanting what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think it's a good idea when it's a new property like Invincible to, and WandaVision did the same thing is to drop a couple episodes to get you hooked, give you the big plot hook at the end of whatever episode three or whatever it was, and then loop you in. Um, we are going to be watching Loki starting on June 9th. The release date was pushed up two days from Friday to Wednesday. And starting June 9th, Loki will be airing each week on Wednesday instead of Friday. So no idea why. We'll find out. Um, and then just really quick, wanted to mention, uh, again, that we just rebranded everything on our Instagram, Patreon, everything. Uh, we are officially Forge Comics. So uh, thanks to everyone for sticking with us. And this one and this name and this brand is here to stay. So um, let's dive into Invincible Breakdown of episode one through four. Um, I watched these right when they came out. So Hopefully, I don't um, mix up some of the episodes and and spoil for for what we have next week. Um, but let's kind of let's kind of break it down. So, Invincible, it's obviously independent, 
And so much so, the first thing we get is we get an introduction to the Guardians of the Globe. And we get an intro to um, the villains, which are clones. The Mollertans. Yes, exactly. Which they're probably, I actually really, really like them. And we'll kind of get into that. They play a much bigger role than, than what you think um, when you're first introduced to them throughout the series. So we, we have the Guardians of the Globe, which is basically a copy of the Justice League of America. <laughs> um, we have Darkwing, which basically Batman. We have War Woman, basically Wonder Woman. Red Rush, basically The Flash. Um, Aquarius, Aquaman, Martian Man, Martian Manhunter, <laughs> and then Green Ghost, Green Lantern, and then um, we have Immortal, Immortal, which is interesting because that's Vandal Savage. So they randomly threw in a villain from DC. Oh, I was, I was going to say, he's kind of like Superman, but not as much as Superman, or not as much as uh, Omni-Man is Superman. Yeah, it's, uh, he's definitely strong, but he, I would definitely say he's a Vandal Savage uh, recreation. Hey, Jojo, yeah. you got to read about Vandal Savage. <laughs> um, awesome. So we got, we got the Guardians of the Globe. Um, pretty cool team. And they take on the the Mahler twins, um, throw them into jail, pretty easy. So the, the, the main thing here, or the main character here is Mark Grayson, who is Nolan Grayson's son. And Nolan is um, from another planet, um, Voltramite, right? It's, or yeah. Voltrum, I guess, is the planet's name, he's a Voltramite. Well, he's... Um, so- He's not actually an official member of the Guardians, which I don't know that I realized even reading the comic. So I'm, Nolan is is Omni Man, but he's just kind of an honorary member. Is that what is that what Cecil said? Yeah, yeah, and which kind of makes sense. He like flies solo because he's like he's so good. He doesn't really need anybody else with him, so it kind of makes sense. But just an honorary so- member of this podcast. <laughs> I, I really need you guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Um, and then we have Debbie Grayson, who is Nolan or Omni-Man's wife, and they have a son named Mark, who's the main character. And so he's this 17-year-old, and he discovers um, that he he has these superpowers, right, that he gets from his dad. It, they weren't really sure if he's going to get them, but he does. And so it's pretty awesome because it's very much along the lines of, like, Spider-Man or these younger superheroes that are kind of giving you this perspective of how difficult it really is um, being introduced and coming to have these superpowers and these responsibilities and still try to live a normal life and go to school. Um, and so in the, in the first episode, he, he does get his powers, it shows. Um, and so he's kind of training with his dad and stuff. And then at the end of it, we get the huge twist where Nolan kind of calls the Guardians of the Galaxy, or Guardians of the Globe, not Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> Guardians of the Globe to, to their base, and he kills them. And the scene is absolutely amazing. Now, for um, Trey, you obviously read the comics. PD, did you read the comics as well? So you, yes, I have. You, got, you knew that was coming, right? Um, I knew it was coming just because I had talked to Trey about it before, but I was still like, my, my jaw literally dropped. So 
Um, what did you guys kind of think of that first episode and how they introduced it more from a sense of trying to introduce this to people that may have never heard of this or just getting into it? Yeah, I think it's a really great start to the season um, and to this new universe. I think it's really cool how uh, we get to see Nolan, we get to see Mark, we see Mark's excitement. Up to the ending, I would say it's a pretty typical standard superhero introduction to Mark Grayson. I mean, it almost feels Sky High-esque where he's waiting for his powers to come in and then gets excited once they get there. And then it just flips everything on a head. And I'm going to use that term a lot with um, with Invincible because when you see Nolan kill the Guardians, the question that everyone starts to ask is why. And that's the question that we're going to have until the end of the season. So. I know we probably don't want to spoil that in case there are people who are looking to this as kind of a way uh, to know about the show, but it's a really good start to figure out what's going on. Why is Nolan doing this? Yeah. And I'm coming to invincible as someone who um, I heard about the show, realized it was a comic book. And then um, when it was in production, went and binged the entire three omnibuses. And it honestly is, I think it is my favorite comic book series of all time. And that's, that's unseating some pretty legendary comic books, but I think it does a couple of things really, really well. And it's something that Jojo hit on in episode one is it, it does the coming of age and the balancing of being a hero and being a kid better, better than maybe almost anyone else. I think it, it might do a better job than Spider-Man, but in, in my mind, it's those two. And then everyone else is a drop below. No one else seems to really, Matt Murdock a little bit, but m- nobody really seems to suffer as much with the balancing act that would come with being on call and running off to save the world. And the fact that your girlfriend wants to know where you are and invincible. If I could just label it as one word, Mark Grayson is just relatable all the way through from now until the end of like issue 125, when the third volume ends, he is a, re- he just feels like a real person. And that's, it shines through during the, in the TV show as well. So even maybe even better than the comic book. Yeah, I think I think you make a really good point. And for those that are, are listening, you know, we kind of uh, went into this with saying that this was kind of a cop out of a lot of the superheroes that are in the DC comics, but the story is very much original and very, very awesome. And the lineup that they got to do the, the voices insane. is crazy. I mean, even there's even uh, small roles um, that like there was a small role one one of uh, Mark Grayson's friends boyfriends, I think his name was Rick. His voice is played by Jonathan Jonathan Goff, who does the voice of Kristoff in Frozen. You have Mark Grayson himself, who's done by Stephen Ewan, who is in Walking Dead. You have oh, Sandra O. Oh. The show opens with a bit character voiced by John Hamm, a guy that's not even in the comic. Yeah, just exactly a parallel for fathers in the show and he's voiced by John Hamm. Yeah, exactly. So you have Sandra Oh, who is in um, the Grey's Anatomy, J.K. Simmons, who's obviously already huge in the comic world with uh, with um, the Spider-Man, the original, and now obviously in the future Spider-Man films. And so, yeah, you have this awesome lineup. So just take that alone as kind of a, a tip off to how this, this series is is really going to kind of blow you away. Um, so in the in the second episode, we we get introduced to the team 
teen team. And so that's kind of led by um, Adam Eve, who's a classmate of, of Mark. Um, and then you have the um, uh, Rex, Rexplode, uh, Duplicate, Shrinking Ray, Monster Girl. And Monster Girl is actually really interesting. So uh, I, again, these are kind of taken from inspiration of, of Marvel and DC characters. And Monster Girl is, is similar to, I guess, like Bruce Banner and the Hulk, except she's kind of, she, she's a female, turns into like this very powerful like troll man. But the catch is every time she uses her powers, she actually de-ages. So even though she's like this 24 year old or whatever, she, she looks like she's 12. So there's that. And then we have um, Black Samson. Um, so this is kind of the team that takes over the guardians of the globe now that they're dead. Um, Nolan's in the hospital and there there is a little suspicion we have um, the demon can't remember his name uh, Damon Darkblood yeah so he's kind of like this detective and he and he finds that Nolan's a little suspicious he's unconscious and even Debbie starts to to think that something's kind of um, not right with her husband and and we see this progression throughout the episodes that he he's kind of more and more on edge and isn't the calm collective hero that we, we may think he is. We have Robot, who's extremely creepy. Let me just throw that out there. <laughs> Very weird dude. Um, and he's, he's actually played by Zachary Quinto, right? Who was in Star Trek, um, played Spock. And yeah, so in episode two, Mark kind of team, the, tag teams with the team team as they take on this um these this alien race that comes the flaxons and they they try to take over the world um and i believe that's the end of episode two so with the new guardians of the globe there's a lot of um cool characters and i'm hoping that we can dive into them more and, and learn from them as the, as the season progresses but are there any characters to you for you guys at this point that kind of jump out to you or um i you know sometimes and i I hate to say this and i hate to always be this guy i think sometimes it is hard to look at something when you've read the entire story to isolate it and look only at let's call it the first four episodes or whatever we're at um for me knowing how things shake out a little bit down the line i'm a pretty big fan of rexplode and i actually the guy who voices him is so annoying in most things i think he nails it with this i think rex is hilarious and he's he's awful but not in like a bad way like an awful and like a i think i could still be friends with you kind of way (laughs) i really like him and i i it's interesting the voice cast i agree is incredible it was highly regarded when it was announced. At least IGN, which is where I get a lot of my news, has really slammed a lot of the voice actors for being monotone, particularly Omni-Man and a couple others. But I actually think they've all, almost all knocked it out of the park. And I think Rexplode is a great example. Monster Girl is a great example. Robot's a great example. Most of the teen team. And then I love how Black Samson is involved. Um, personally, don't remember a lot about him from the comics, so it's possible he's just getting fleshed out more in the show. There are quite a lot of changes. And it's for the best. This show was very white and very straight and <laughs> very um not very inclusive of minority minority not that it was racist or anything it just was the show or the comic the comic the comic back in 2000 okay, yeah. it just didn't have a lot of diversity to it it wasn't 
offensive. It just didn't reflect society as well as stuff does now. Yeah, I think for me, my favorite. So I am a little biased because of the voice actor. So Zach Corinto for me is one of my favorite actors. Um, I remember watching him in Heroes back in the day as Siler, and he is terrifying. He is the scariest villain in that series. He basically, I don't know if you guys know about that show, but in that show, he plays a character who has rogue's power, but he has to kill anyone to get their power. And so he'll like cut their head open with his telepath, telepathic power, and he's just terrifying. Do you think see him for like long periods of time? What? Yeah. So if he kills him, he keeps it for permanently. Oh, so he's like all for one. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so uh, super powerful, um, really cool. And then Spock, obviously. So I've always been a huge fan of him. Uh, so seeing him as a robot was like a perfect fit. I mean, Spock to a robot, pretty close. So I like robot a lot. I think as we develop more about his character, again, it's hard to just talk about what right now. Um, I think it's cool to see a robot who you can still see kind of has a personality and no one wants to accept that he does. So I think that's an interesting uh, yeah. thing to play off of. It's like unsettling for them when he acts like a person. Yeah. Like, stop it. You're just supposed to be a robot. Yeah. But obviously it, it does eventually make sense. But I, I personally was, I was kind of thrown off by robot. He's very creepy and very weird. And I don't, he's kind of you keep saying it like it gets better. I, I think it actually gets creepier. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm saying it makes sense, the emotional aspect of his character. All right. Yeah, that's fair. So anyway, so um, what's cool about this is, I mean, it is, it's action-packed, but at the same time, it's diving into all of these characters and, and kind of the issues that they have. Um, and so, you know, it shows Mark, who, who likes this girl, Amber, who, who seems to be the more popular girl in school and so he's intimidated by her he, he's kind of awkward very very peter parker-esque but i wouldn't say as nerdy um and so he eventually gets her number and and they exchange numbers and then they go on their first date things like that um but obviously with him being a superhero he gets distracted he has to kind of tell her hey i can't do this anymore or i'm 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 going on a trip or or things like this and he gets sent to mars and um what what I guess the the difficult about breaking these episodes down is that there's a lot of layers um, with the first episode that you think that it's going to be just kind of the straightforward story, but there are a lot of layers to this that kind of build upon each other with each episode. Um, and I, I would say that episode three is kind of the the beginning of that of that spiral of the of those layers with um, the Mallers escaping from the the prison that they're in and you find out that um robot was actually assisting them and so one of the Mallard twins dies and and he's a clone right um but yeah so it kind of leads you wondering okay is robot good is robot bad and at the same time we find out that dark blood goes and questions debbie and kind of puts more doubt into into um into her head about what what's going on with with Nolan episode four we see Mark go to Mars and so he tells Amber obviously that he's going out of town and he goes to Mars meets these Martians um I actually can't remember too much of this this is going to Mars to escort a group of four astronauts who are going to go land there I don't remember what they were supposed to do 
and but they get there and they run into the martians who basically bring them underground and then basically explain that humans are susceptible to being overcome by these little alien cephalopods which are like little octopus things and so they have to ex- execute the humans in order to keep the cephalopod things from overtaking mars again and mark's like nope time to go and he basically rescues him thank you yes exactly but the biggest thing is um so cecil realizes nolan is the killer is the killer of the guardians of the globe um but cannot act until he determines the latter's motive um and then we we see that cecil banishes dark blood to to hell back to hell unaware that the detective hid his notepad in Debbie's closet. Robot is monitoring um, the Mahler twin, the one, um, kind of re-cloning himself, which is pretty cool because it shows that the, the twins are actually super geniuses. So they're not just these strong kind of brutes um, that that are represented in the first episode. Like they, they are pretty, pretty dang smart. So that's where we are at the end of episode four. Um, there's a lot to kind of unpack in that. Um, are there anything, is there anything that kind of stood out to you guys during those first four episodes? And with you, Trey, I guess in comparison to the comics, was there something that you felt that they were missing or something that you, that you liked even more that came through the episodes? So the opening scene you mentioned is a kind of a Guardians of the Globe showcase. And I actually thought that was awesome because you basically you basically are introduced to the idea that the Guardians of the Globe exist in the comic books. And then the first time you really meet them, they die. So this kind of showcase of what they could do, the opening scene was awesome. And I think it was really cool to give them that opportunity to shine. So you do establish that they are very, very competent heroes which then sets you up when Omni-Man single-handedly destroys them to kind of, it scales everybody for you. You now understand that those guys were on another level and then Omni-Man single-handedly was significantly stronger than all of them combined. So it kind of lets you know how everyone stacks up in the universe. Off of that, the one thing I thought a lot about this, I am pretty vocal about the fact that I'm surprised by the fact that I like the show more than the comic. Um, I think it does a lot of things better. And one of the things I really enjoy, one of the biggest differences I found was Debbie's character. Um, in the comic, she's pretty bad, to be honest. Um, she's kind of ignorant to everything going on around her. Uh, and I like that in the show, she suspect, she's suspecting um, her, her husband's deception, even if she doesn't want to believe it. So I like that she's kind of going on this uh, detective journey herself. I think that's interesting. It was a really good, good change. And they also do a really good job of illustrating like her role in raising Mark and mentoring Mark once he gets superpowers, because it would be very easy for her to him to be like, well, you don't know what you're talking about, mom. You don't understand. I'm a superhero now. Like I only need dad. And they have like a specific scene. I'm drawing the links in the details where she like talks to him and counsels him on what it's like to be a hero and how he needs to be a hero for the things that he believes. I think it was the trip to Mars for things that he believes are important. He has to follow his own moral compass. And it was like, it was very cool to see, okay, Omni-Man is uber powerful, but his wife is at least 50% of that relationship. She is a, at least 50% of the parenting, and, and that's cool. She needed that. They, in the comics, we'll talk about it in issues five through eight. Man, her arc takes a hard dive when things hit the fan for her. Yep. 
Awesome. Footnote with um, Invincible, it is pretty gory, probably more gory than maybe people would would expect. So if, if you are um, jumping into this show, um, probably not suitable for, for children, that's for sure. Definitely not children. Yeah, not, not, <laughs> not your classic like a Saturday morning cartoon by any means. Which is too bad because I have to admit it's probably the best animated thing I've ever watched. Uh, yeah, I, I was texting somebody about it this week. I was like, there's a few shows that have always been my, not, they kind of fight for number one and now they've just been blown out of the water by Invincible. So they've held the, held the spot for a while and now Invincible wins. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So that's a recommendation by Trey. Trey carries this, this podcast and carries our group. <laughs> but that's kind of a wrap up for, for episode four. Um, obviously, next week we'll, we'll finish off with where the season was left off and we can kind of dive more into um, the, the theories or what we did and didn't like. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll move on from that and we'll, we'll dive into the character breakdown. So Petey, if you want to take that away. Yeah, for sure. So Nightwing, a uh, huge fan of Nightwing, excited to talk about him. Going to give a brief history and then I want to kind of treat it more like a discussion. So I'm going to a few questions along the way and just kind of want to get you guys' opinion on things. Um, first of all, really quick, how familiar are you guys with this character? Moderate to below average. Um, basically anything from batman and robin so just his nip suits okay that's fair from the Wait, is that is that dick in batman forever or whatever is that dick grayson i'm pretty sure it is i haven't seen the movie in a long time but i think it 100 percent because i remember that's how i learned that he was an acrobat oh yeah you're right he is an acrobat i remember that now Ugh. yeah so i was just curious i think he gets a, he's a really well-known character as robin i think anyone who who's ever seen a Batman movie knows about Batman and Robin, obviously the dynamic duo, but I think Nightwing shines after his time as Robin. And I think his popularity within comics is not even with Batman. It's influenced by him, but he's done a lot more since then. So with that in mind, going to give a little bit of a background. Obviously he starts out as one of the flying Grayson's with his parents. They were trapeze artists in Haley's circus. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about Haley's Circus a little bit later on, too. Um, and basically, Tony Zuko was a leader of the gang uh, that they didn't pay something to do with the circus. It kind of changes depending on continuity. But in the end, arranges for um, Dick Grayson's parents to fall to their death. Dick Grayson then meets Batman and gets picked up by him and adopted into the world of being a sidekick to Batman. Um, it may seem a little tropey, a little convenient, but let's not forget that this happened in 1940. Um, so understandable that it would be a little uh, cliche almost 100 years later. Uh, so the next thing I'll talk about is kind of his years training with Batman. Spends a long time training with Batman and leaves the Teen Titans for a while. Uh, and that's where you see him for a long time. Uh, in the comics, you basically see him from the 40s up until uh it's the 80s when he finally takes on the role of nightwing um so, so yeah oh i guess just my question is you personally do you think he's uh better with the team or better as a sidekick to batman yeah that's a, a really good question uh so i when he's robin i like him a lot more as a teen titan 
Uh, I think it's where he learns that he doesn't need Batman anymore. So that's when I really like it uh, because we see him explore the idea of, wait a second, I've, I've done everything that Batman's taught me. I think now I can, I can lead this team and I can be successful without, without Batman. So, so when he, so when he leads the team Titans, is that his own choice or is that kind of like the equivalent of like the farmer's league in baseball where it's like, <laughs> he kind of sends yeah. him down so that he can get trained up to be in like the big leagues. Basically, I mean, in the end, that's what they do it in comics. It's so these guys can get training so that they can be in the Justice League. But what really happens is they get annoyed with being all just sidekicks. And Young Justice, the show, does a pretty good job of portraying this. So they develop a teen, a teen team, <laughs> funny enough, like Invincible, to basically uh, get the training they need and to be able to take care of other things that maybe uh, the Justice League doesn't. So he leaves those teams out, you get the classic teams. If you ever watch the Teen Titans show back in the day, that's kind of the team that you get initially. Uh, and then uh, what happens is he spends too much time with the Teen Titans and he actually missed a mission with Batman. So Batman fires him. <laughs> he fires him as Robin and says, I need you fully committed to the job. And he's like, but I was being Robin. Uh, and this is where you really start to see that Nightwing is not Batman's puppet. He's not his sidekick. He will do things his way, which we're going to talk a lot about because it comes up as we de develop into his character. Uh, so in 1984, with the Judas contract, we get to see him take up the role of Nightwing for the first time. If you haven't seen a picture of this suit, it is so ridiculous and so awesome. It's hilarious. It's known as the disco wing suit because it's got the nice deep V-neck and some wings that are golden popping out of his out of his back. So pretty great. Got to look that up if you haven't seen that. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> it's pretty rocking. Hot. I think that's going to be my Halloween costume this year. <laughs> That is so, insane. It's insane. It's hilarious. But hey, it's the 80s. So whatever. So let me get this straight. So Batman fires Dick Grayson when he's like, what, 15 years old? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's vague. But yeah, 15, 16 fires him and tells him he needs to, to get his life back together and, and figure things and out. And people wonder why we're not the biggest fans of Batman. Yeah. I'll be honest. We're going to get into Batman later. I just... <laughs> Oh. Big, best best thing Batman did was create Nightwing, in my opinion. So we can credit for that. We can have people come back at the, on us for that later. Um, but yes, yeah, so, one fun fact I like to mention whenever I talk about Nightwing: uh, Have you guys probably have you guys ever heard about how Nightwing came up with that name? Has that ever come up in a conversation before? Super interesting, which I love. So Nightwing was obviously Batman's right hand guy. Uh, but when things went south and he got fired, the person he went to was another mentor of his who was Superman. Uh, so he went and complained to Superman. Superman and Bruce were close. Nightwing grew close with Superman as well. Uh, and he goes to Superman and basically tells him everything that had happened. And uh, Clark was kind of the one that said, maybe you should go and do things your own way. And he was like, you know, on Krypton, there was a myth about... Um, a superhero on Krypton that fought for justice on kind of a street level and saved citizens of Krypton when things went south for them. And his name was Nightwing. Uh, so I actually like that a lot. I think it's an interesting connection that did Superman. Ever, did they ever flesh that out? Who is this? Oh, it's, it's fleshed out. It's in like panels. Krypton, it's continuity. The Krypton, the Krypton Nightwing though, we find out more about that person. Never comes up again. So, I mean, yeah, it's just mentioned once, but that'd be an interesting what? interesting thing to explore for sure. But that is yeah, pretty it, cool. But I would also 
uh, say that you're probably pretty biased with it. Yeah. Superman, so that's why you like it more. <laughs> I was, but it is cool. I do agree. I was wondering how you were going to plug Superman in here. I didn't think it'd be that easy. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be an episode if I don't get Superman in somewhere. Easy. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I think it's a fun fact because I think it's cool to show that he has connections beyond just Batman. Um, but anyways, I won't get on a Superman rant. So I do like Nightwing a lot too. He ends up still leading the Teen Titans and he goes to Bloodhaven. Um, so is yeah, it, isn't it Bloodhaven? Yeah, I know it is. I just don't like to accept that. He literally lectures the readers on it. Yeah, I know, but I just don't Even like I it. That. Yeah, I know. It's like but... my mess up on the Mahler twins. <laughs> I know it's Bloodhaven. He makes <laughs> jokes about it all the time, but he talks it just doesn't it. fit in my headcanon, I guess. Um, so Blood Bloodhaven, I'll say it right for you, uh, is basically the um the slums of, of gotham so it's like gotham's forgotten child uh so he goes there takes over as nightwing basically we get nightwing in this uh kind of role of being uh the superhero blue haven from 1996 to 2009 2009 batman dies so dick grayson takes up the role as batman yeah it turns out he didn't die he was just missing of course but really. he dies that's I'm not nope, don't read it just like but the comic in the impoverished parts of gotham <laughs> yeah <laughs> the comic that comes after it is really cool you get nightwing as batman now he takes on the cow for a couple years uh with damian wayne as his sidekick it's a cool flip because you see dick fill in the role pretty much perfectly if not better than batman uh so kind of want to ask you guys a question do you guys after what you've seen, do you think Nightwing's better being Nightwing, or do you think he should end up taking on the cow and becoming Batman? No, the world does not need more Batman. <laughs> well, and I know we'll get into I know we'll get into it when when we talk about the comic, but I, I don't I honestly don't know much about Nightwing. Um, and I guess just kind of to flesh this out for for me anyways, what's the biggest difference? in the simplest terms possible between Batman's kind of moral code and Dick Grayson's moral code. Cause I think that for me is will kind of determine. Yeah. So that's a really good question. The best answer is flexibility. Uh, Nightwing is able to, uh, he's not an anti-hero by any means. He would never kill or do anything like that, but he's not afraid to work with villains. He's not afraid um to not get his hands dirty but you see it in, in rebirth a lot he's willing to work with people and he has hope for them uh i'll talk a little bit more about this but i guess i can mention it now uh we see him after this he goes and works for a spy organization for a little bit to take down the spy organization from the inside because uh, it was corrupt so that's what you get for a long time and then after that there's a moment in rebirth where he's actually working with a bunch of b-list rogue gallery members from batman's rogues and he's working with them as a counselor and so you see him like really trying to help these people to kind of come out of what they what they've been through uh so the biggest difference is he's a lighter character uh his morality is much more hopeful uh he doesn't see the world as filled with fear he sees it as filled with hope i think that's one of the biggest differences i think his moral compass is still straight on i think it's just it's more motivated by i believe people can be good not i believe the world is terrible and i'm an angry man all the time uh the other thing 
Batman admitted, will admittingly say he is psychotic, so he can't kill anyone because it would drive him over the edge. Whereas Nightwing, he hasn't killed somebody, but he's uh, he's not psychotic. He's stable. So, and they talk about this in the comic that we're going to talk about. Nightwing is what keeps Batman stable uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, he's kind of his foil to keeping him from going off the wire. Yeah, yeah. You can so definitely I, how that how that plays out too. Um, I'm not trying to just crap on Batman, but if you're asking the question of how like the two characters are different, Batman is just kind of unreasonable and crippled by these pillars that have just become kind of who he is. Whereas Dick feels like a real person who would make a decision that a normal person would make based on the information he's got. He makes a decision that could kind of go either way or maybe not the best one. And I, and it comes off a little naive, I think sometimes. And, and, and I like that. I like that. He's not an infallible character. He seems like a guy who would make a mistake. And I like yeah. that. I watch somebody make the right decision all the time. That's boring. I don't, that doesn't make for a good comic book. Yeah. And I would say one of the greatest things about Nightwing is the legacy that he has. Uh, there's a panel. I shared it on our, on our post about him where he's talking to Batman and, Batman says, if I can fit on the Justice League, so can you. And Nightwing, he's Robin at the time, says, wait, you think I'm going to be on the Justice League someday? And Batman says, no, you're going to lead the Justice League someday. So Nightwing is a natural-born leader, 10 times the leader that Batman is, better than Superman is even, in my opinion. He has a way of getting people to do what he wants, which is great because that's what Superman can do. But also, he has Batman's tactics and strategy. So that combination makes him a lethal, a lethal leader. He's like what U.S. agent is to Captain America. Yeah, except for he's not murderous. <laughs> no, I just mean or gray at all. I just I just mean in the fact that you know Captain America, he's not willing to bend. He's just got yeah, like exactly. So very similar to Batman. Whereas U U.S. agent, he is. He's he's more of a soldier, and it sounds like Nightwing yeah. is very much like that as well with that flexibility. Even, yeah, even I felt like that 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 comparison wasn't going to land well. But I think the difference is the, the writers like Nightwing and they don't. <laughs> so they don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so going through to kind of end off the discussion, talk a little bit about what's happening with Nightwing. Uh, the rebirth run of Nightwing is really good. We're going to break down an issue of that, uh, fight some really cool villains. One of the ones I like that I'm going to highlight really quick is the judge. His name is Jay DeWitt. He was the first judge of Blue Haven. Um, he condemned the wrong guy. And so the society went against him and tried to drown him in the ocean and Nightwing has to fight him as he comes back to get vengeance on Bloodhaven. So things like that. I think Nightwing is really cool. Uh, what happens that I'm going to go over briefly, we're going to pretend like it never happened, but I'll mention it in issue 50 of Nightwing. Before that, there was a crossover and Dick Grayson gets shot in the head and loses his memory. So we get 28 issues of an amnesic Nightwing. Now, I've heard the comparison that comics are like telenovelas or soap operas. This proves that. So I hate it. <laughs> I cannot stand this part. But like a good Nightwing fan, I read all the issues anyways. And there has a few redeeming features, but it's overall the fans were done with it. As of three months ago, issue 78, Nightwing is again Nightwing and just because they're aware of how crappy that his sales were probably for that two year period, 
Uh, they are getting one of the best writers in DC to basically try to bring up his sales again, whose name is Tom Taylor. So far, we're on issue 79 now, just barely started up again. Amazing. Oh, sorry. 75 is when he comes back as Nightwing. 78 is when Tom Taylor takes over. Should clarify that. I think the re- there, I think what you just hit on is a lot a reason why a lot of people prefer to just read Wikipedia than actually dive into the comics because you get crap like that. Yep, in every character, so you get those weird periods and you just have to crank through them. So that's all I'm going to talk about. The one thing I want to say that it was one of the best things that came out of those 28 issues is the fact that uh, we find out that Haley Circus was actually a front for the Court of Owls and they were using it as a way to train uh, Dick Grayson. Uh, which was pretty cool. A little bit of a retcon, but I actually thought it was interesting. I was just glad you were going to recognize that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not legit. It's a retcon for sure. But it's a good, I thought it was interesting. It adds it adds some more controversy into his backstory. Uh, I liked it. But yeah, that's pretty much it. A um, couple quick questions. Uh, where do you guys feel like this character fits best? I talked a little bit about this. Uh, where, after kind of hearing him, hearing me talk about him a little bit where do you guys think he, he belongs so i i'm personally not a fan of the robin dynamic i think it's kind of weird it doesn't go super well the idea of taking in orphans and then kind of do they have a choice in becoming vigilant i don't <laughs> not really <laughs> so batman is so weird um and for me nightwing is Kind of the idea that someone can get out of that situation and i yeah like you're not captive it's not like that but it's also like i really like seeing him not be robin anymore it seems like okay you're not stuck as robin forever and robin's just been such a weird legacy character for so long i mean go back to the adam west stuff and batman and robin it's just it's strange and i think nightwing is just a really cool kind of evolution from that yeah i agree i do so you, you mentioned that panel where he where Batman mentions that he would eventually lead the Justice League. Are there any issues or have they dove into that where he is leading them? Yeah, so he has led them and does an incredible job. Um, oh, that's pro- cool. Yeah, it's great. The problem is, so to go off of that, his the biggest issue with him is he's the first, like, uh, he's the first legacy character of all time right? First sidekick comes out of it is Nightwing. He's one of the first ones that has obtained his own title. Uh, he's not like Wally West where he takes on the name The Flash. He's his own person. Own city. He can. He's, he's self-functioning. Uh, in the comics, they don't need Batman anymore. He can do his own thing. Uh, the problem is for him to take on the Justice League, now you're getting rid of that first legacy of characters, right? So now you're trying to, you have to identify why isn't Batman there? Why isn't Superman there? Uh, when he takes over, uh, Wonder Woman is his uh, basically his right-hand woman. Uh, it's pretty funny because if you read the comics, Nightwing's a complete ladies' man. He's trying to hit on Wonder Woman the whole time and she won't have it. So, I mean, I don't, I don't really blame it. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> but uh, the blue hair was pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, so he's pretty awesome. Uh, I think long-term, I'd love to see him take on the role of just leading the Justice League as Nightwing. Um, last question. I talked a little about where he fits in best. Uh, what do you guys think is kind of like the legacy that he portrays for the rest of the, the DC universe and just kind of sidekicks in general? I, I just really like how he, you would almost argue that he exists to 
make sure people know that Batman's way is probably not the best way. Like he, that's almost his whole purpose is like, okay, you could take the techniques that Batman has and give it to someone who thinks more normally is the only way I can think of it. And you would basically a more effective hero. And I, I'm here for it. I mean, that's enough for me to buy an action figure, which is the goal, right? (laughs) If we can get Trey to buy an action figure, we're, we're doing great. I mean, I'm just saying the point of this is to sell stuff, right? So, I mean, that, that alone is enough for me because I appreciate what Batman kind of is, but then I just think that he's missing something. And I think Nightwing has that missing piece and thus deserves a top spot in the Justice League. Yeah, I'm kind of curious if uh, how how it would be different if Nightwing had a different origin and if he wasn't attached to Batman in in the way that he was, if he would be as popular as he is today. Because, um, like I said, I I don't know a lot about DC Comics, but I did know. I mean, a little bit at least. I knew who he was. Um, so yeah, I guess that's that's just kind of my my last two cents on that. Yeah, I think to, to close this off, you guys mentioned kind of uh, he is almost the better version of Batman. Uh, I agree with that. He's not as intelligent as Batman is because, you know, they make Batman the super genius of the world, basically. Uh, but I think he's more down to earth. He's more relatable. And he's honestly, he gives hope to the other Robins in the sense that he's like, look, you guys aren't stuck in this way. Like we can, you can do your own thing. You don't have to be stuck bound to Batman. You can still respect him. Nightwing and Batman have a lot of respect for each other still. I should clarify that they do have a good relationship, uh, but they're very different. It's pretty similar to a parent and their kid. You know, when an adult kid comes home for the summer or something, they realize it's a lot harder to live with their parent than they thought it would be. Um, But there's a scene in Infinite Crisis where uh, it's a big DC event where Batman asks Nightwing, how were the times as Robin with me? And he says they were the best of times. So you'd still get that relationship. It's good. But I think Nightwing develops into a much, much better character uh, and more relatable character for me. I've never really related to Batman. That's my biggest issue with him. I just like I have nothing that I can relate to on him. I'm, I'm I just, my life's not that dark, I guess. Um, or I'm I don't know. Maybe I'm not that would, dark of a person. But, I would hope not. Yeah. <laughs> so I just I relate more to Nightwing. I know he's had a dark past, but he's got this hope, this lightheartedness that makes him more relatable and more personable. But off of that, I think we want to break down a little bit more about Nightwing. Uh, we read um, the first few issues of the Rebirth Nightwing run, and I'll turn it over to Trey to kind of lead that out. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Nightwing a little bit more. And I really like how this series is called Better Than Batman. <laughs> Established why I think there's a couple characters in here who are better than Batman. So. All right, give me a chance. I'll explain it. I'll probably justify some questionable actions. That seems to be a trend that I have, which is also causing me to reflect a little bit on my own personality. Um, so it's been fun, though. I've learned a lot about myself. So this kind of opens up with... You do realize this isn't a therapy session, right? We're just going to talk about superheroes. I mean, this serves as therapy for me in a lot of ways. So. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> you can send me and a it's free. <laughs> Yeah, so we've got Dick Grayson, and with Dick Grayson come a lot of circus, I want to say jokes, but they're not really jokes. They're jokes to the reader, but he's like dead serious, which makes it hilarious because circuses are ridiculous. <laughs> like, I feel like, can we just be honest? It's amazing that this character got off the ground 
considering his name is Dick. <laughs> it was the 30s or 40s. Batman, and he was born into a circus life. And then <laughs> all of the opportunities to retcon that, and they've never retconned out the circus. So yep. he's, you know what? Great underdog story here. He's overcome a lot just by existing. Uh, <laughs> what a, so it starts off, you find out that, really like PD was saying, Nightwing sees the bigger picture and is able to operate kind of again not really get your hands dirty but he's able to work with some questionable characters and and occasionally the bad guys for the overarching good and you see you first meet him in this series and he is working for the court of owls and he talks about how training in the circus taught him how to put on a show and he has to do that sometimes so he's basically acting as an agent for the court of owls and kind of protects some people who the court of owls are kind of own essentially they have some dirt on them it seems like and he basically says you know the court of owls sends its regards and stuff like that so he's kind of acting as like an enforcer but then he gets back and reports to the court of owls and they're basically like okay why do you keep not doing the things violently enough basically they're like why are you not being a villain you're supposed to be a villain now and he's just like oh i don't know you know he's he's clearly trying to not cross the line he's clearly trying to act as an undercover agent and they're getting a little suspicious. So they say he's going to have to work with this guy who is in a similar situation where he kind of owes the Court of Owls just like Nightwing does to some extent and is, you know, committing crimes for them. But he's doing a better job at actually committing the crimes than Nightwing was. And we meet him and his name is Raptor. And Pete, you're, you, as, you know, the resident DC fan who prefers DC to Marvel, you're saying that Raptor's brand new. This like is the first time we've ever met him. Yeah, this is the first thing I've ever come across from him. I've done research. I haven't found anything else on him. Um, yeah, he's honestly the best Nightwing villain. I actually love how he, like, they don't even bother to explain anything about him. He's got this hand thing, like this glove that looks like raptor claws. And they're just like, yeah, it's just a thing. Don't ask questions. You just accept it. And it's like yeah. super powerful. It seems like it can shoot stuff, I think, at one point. I might be making that up. But it's also, pretty vague still, too. Yeah. I'm just like, I respect that. I don't have to know. Uh, and so he is actually pretty charismatic and I'm a big fan because he keeps talking about branding, which is freaking hilarious because it keeps talking about Nightwing keeps talking about how the court of owls and there's a, a murder of crows and a flush of geek. What is the flush? The flush was of something else. I don't he know. He makes some really funny jokes about it. Birds have ridiculous names for when they're all together in groups. And he points that out. And then Raptor, his, his plane is named after a hawk and everything is about birds and bird-like creatures. And he just talks about how important branding is and how we should understand that by being an, an extension of Batman and the extension of the Batman brand. I think it's hilarious. I would get along great with this guy. Um, he actually reminded me of you, which is... <laughs> Shut up. Did he really? Yeah, he did. Like 100%. <laughs> That's the coolest just thing I've ever heard. Well, because of his sense of humor. Yeah. This is probably... This is honestly probably the first comic where I like actually like chuckled at some of the things that yeah. Nightwing said and Raptor said because it was just like I don't know it was just kind of offbeat and just kind of ridiculous and they're a really good duo to be honest they're really yeah. fun to play off of each other they hit yeah. it off pretty much instantly which you can tell bothers Dick yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> like I shouldn't I like you this much like this guy like this guy's evil I think right probably I mean you know, he's <laughs> going off of his reputation well, yeah and they're calling out the trope of like you know, superheroes fighting each other before they become like buddy buddies and stuff. Oh my and gosh, just, like, so self-aware. Like, can we skip this part? Like, 
Can we just be the, get to the part? Like, they talk about it. It's on panel. Can we skip this part and yeah. be buddies? Like, they're yeah. fighting, and Dick's like, and then Raptor's like, all right, are we done now doing the thing where you guys, all you superheroes do it, where you fight before you end up becoming friends? I don't know. It's hilarious. I actually, all of my qualms, not that I had a ton of qualms about reading, like, an independent kind of an arc, but this is our first thing that we've reviewed as a group that wasn't some kind of yeah. bigger crossover event, if you kind of exclude My Hero Academia. And I think I almost appreciated the small things more that you get in the day-to-day and maybe it doesn't make for as good of a book club we'll let you guys decide but as far as reading it there's a lot of things to enjoy in between the panels when you're getting down and dirty and reading about these characters kind of in their element so it was really cool i thought yeah the biggest thing i think i personally enjoyed doing this i think you can dive into the character a lot more uh when you're reading their self their title just their their weekly or monthly or title that's coming out Absolutely. So picking up where we left off, a little bit of background information about Nightwing. He's dating Barbara Gordon, who I I think she is in this continuity. Did she break her back? But she's walking. She looks great. Uh, yeah, break in continuity. She broke her back. Uh, we can go to that later. But yeah, breaks her back. Uh, but basically, they repair her back, and now she's back to being Batgirl. Of course, you know, because just just deal with it. It's it's comics, whatever. Yeah, I'm sure Batman. I'm sure Batman paid for it. So. <laughs> Yeah, so they're dating, but, you know, it, it kind of hits on the tropes of Mark Grayson. You know, Nightwing is, even for a superhero, he's having trouble keeping his love life going because he's also undercover as a bad guy, sort of. And and Barbara, I think, shares a little more of the school of Batman morality, and she's just like, oh, gasp, clutches her pearls. Like, how could you? You know, very judgmental, very um, very Barbara Gordon-y. There's really no other way to say it. Definitely the son of daughter of a cop. Uh, so eventually she's like well you bailed on me in tokyo even though he was like in europe and they were supposed to meet up and it didn't make any sense at all to me but she's like comes and finds him wherever they are some other country she just shows up she's like you're working with a bad guy and then basically says i'm going to supervise the whole thing so it's a team up in issue three and they go to this really cool basically the home of a maze designer and basically it's designed so that no one could ever get out and it's actually really cool it's really well animated you see them working together uh, more often than not. It is for some reason it's Nightwing pulling Raptor over obstacles. I'm not sure why that happened so many times, but they do kind of all accept each other and work together. And there's even this one really cool scene where Nightwing is running and there's a monster in the middle of the labyrinth, essentially because of something happens. And he basically says, eat your heart out Theseus, which is just like an awesome, like tongue in cheek reference to the Minotaur in the labyrinth for, for, um, Greek mythology and that's probably what I like the most about Nightwing was he was very quick very sassy very pop culture and, and 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 Raptor as well as we've already established was absolutely hilarious shared a sense of humor with myself um yeah, if I can jump in really quick one thing I love about this is that you get Nightwing in this humor with Batman and it's just like he's just annoying to Batman because he's trying to just you know make things lighthearted. But he even says it on panel on this. He's like, I'm not used to being able to like banter back and forth with somebody. It's kind of fun. It's almost like Raptors better than Batman. Hmm. That's just the joke they make. But there were a couple of things from I think actually issue two, but I wanted to point out two two panels in particular that caught my eye. One where Nightwing actually goes back and saves Raptor kind of before they establish the banter, and he says, you know something about working with raptors actually going to make his life more difficult and he says quote but batman also taught me that every life is worth saving even if it always seemed like i believed it more than he did i thought that was interesting and that's a very 
cool sign of intelligence that he's able to take the advice that Batman gave him and evaluate it independently of how Batman applies it. Like, it'd be very easy to say, like, Batman's a hypocrite and therefore I don't need to take his advice. But he's able to maturely deduce that, yeah, I agree with that. And I actually agree with it more than the guy who gave me the advice. He just seems like a very mature character. And actually, on that same page, he also says something pretty cool. He says, uh, I've heard my fighting styles described as jazz, disciplined, but not adverse to improvisation. And I thought if you're going to characterize Nightwing, at least from the little bit that I've read, that seems to be a very disciplined, but also flexible enough, like Petey said, to adapt. And that's not just his fighting style. It really extends to his personality as well. So moving kind of through the labyrinth, basically they get to the end and they were supposed to um, find this guy who, who had designed a labyrinth for the Court of Owls. And the Court of Owls had secretly asked Raptor once they found him to kill him because he was the only man who knew just how to solve the, the maze. And they show up. Raptor had gotten ahead of them and Barbara and Dick show up and the, the maze designer is dead. And so... Nightwing starts throwing punches, starts screaming, I trusted you, how could you? And Barbara's like, <gasps> clutches pearls, I knew this the whole time kind of thing. And <laughs> Raptor lets him beat the crap out of him for like a minute or two. And you see that the Court of Owls is, is watching and they basically said, yes, we've broken Nightwing, he's ours now. They're, they're very ridiculous. And finally Raptor is bleeding, he's spitting blood, he just goes, all right, that's enough. And the little guy who's the labyrinth designer gets up and he's like, oh, did I, did I play dead, dead well enough, Mr. Raptor? And you find out that <clears throat> Raptor actually is a pretty smart guy, had a plan to accomplish what the owls needed to accomplish without killing anybody. And that's a little bit of kind of what you see with Raptor is not everything that meets the eye. And he's a, he's a much more nuanced character than probably one would assume uh, when they find out at the beginning that their hero has to team up with a bad guy. Yeah, off of that, sorry. Off of that, one thing that I thought was really cool, another panel that kind of highlights what you're talking about, is he's so prepared for everything, Raptor is, but not the same way Batman was. He literally says, I had to prepare for everything because I suck at planning, <laughs> which I thought was such a funny difference from Batman. I loved it. <laughs> he was very, very much like admitted he had flaws and they were you know his strategy wasn't always the best but he was good at what he did dick goes back and he meets up with batman and, and he kind of calls him out and i think this is what pd was hitting on it's really cool is they do have this relationship where he's not just subservient to batman he can be like hey you know what bruce you actually kind of suck at this uh, i would appreciate it if you trained me differently or if you were different or if you trusted people and he calls him out for not trusting anybody and i think I don't know. It doesn't seem like a lot of people have the uh, gall to call Batman out very often. So it's really cool to see his former protege do it and kind of seems to hit with some weight when he says these things. And simultaneously, you also get a shot of Raptor uh, who's reporting to Cobra, which is another kind of seems like a B list villain group. You didn't get the vibe that they were really that powerful until Raptor goes back and he basically gives them the identities of all of the court of owls who he had previously been working for and he's getting paid handsomely and you kind of see like oh he might not kill unnecessarily but the vibe that you get is he's willing to do a lot of questionable things for money especially if it, the lives on the line are of bad people which typically puts you into anti-hero levels of characterization so from there we get a two issue gap during which I have no idea what happens, but didn't seem to matter much. Pete, is there anything you want to explain? No need to go into that. Yeah, so just really quick, I, this is a funny story. 
nobody told me there was a crossover event when I was reading this story the first time. So I'm reading, I'm like, what the heck happened to Raptor? Where did he go? Because he's just not in two issues out of the clear blue. And it was funny. My friend at the time was reading Batman Rebirth. And he was like, hey, did you like those two random crossover issues? And I was like, oh, that makes way more sense. So I can't tell you what happened. I read them. Don't remember. I read through them pretty quick because I was like, where's Raptor giving back so to me? What What's kind of like the point of that? Is that just to sell more issues? It's sell, sell more comics. If you have a crossover over five different titles, people are going to have to buy every title to get the story. Ah, brand Yeah. They do it yep. with their TV shows too. It's pretty annoying on it. Yep. So from there we get uh, we get Raptor back in issue seven, which is where we all tuned back in, and you have this really interesting dynamic between him and basically Dick finds out that the Court of Owls were assassinated. Kind of, I'm trying to remember. I don't know how he deduces that Nightwing had something to do with it, or Raptor had something to do with it. Shows up, challenges Raptor. You find out, again, Raptor is a very interesting character. You think like, oh, I've got you pegged now. You do anything for money. He's standing there super chill. He's like, yeah, I donated all that money to chair- to the circus to support the, you know, <laughs> basically the kind of the peasants who work in the circus. And he's like, he's basically a maybe a slightly more violent Robin Hood up until this point, which is a really interesting character. It's like, I'm not even really mad at you because the Court of Owls people were very, very bad people. But Dick's a better man than I am, apparently, because he's pretty pissed. And so they kind of they they uh they have fisty cuffs, they exchange blows, and they kind of it's a pretty cool fight scene, kind of yelling their own mantras at each other, and then all of a sudden they break through a wall and you find out that Raptor has one of those, what do they call those? Those identification boards that cops do or murder mysteries with the with the red string linking all the clues. Is there a word for that? No. No idea. Yeah, I don't know. Straight out of a murder mystery, though. Basically, Raptor has been investigating Dick Grayson, and he wants to know why. Pretty pretty valid question, if you ask me. Uh, Raptor kind of drugged him and kicked him out. And you get this really interesting scene where Bruce makes a public appearance, and Raptor shows up. And this was a really interesting thing to me, because that's a question I've always had, is why doesn't Bruce do more in the public and that could just be me not reading the comic books correct me if i'm wrong i don't think bruce is ever the mayor of gotham is he not that i know of no yeah and okay another time but i that is a i have a major problem with that you actually want to fix the city run for public office anyway um he shows up and raptor basically basically kidnaps him because he says kind of whispers like yeah, Bruce, if you fight back, then they'll know that you're probably Batman. So he basically has to, like, surrender and pretend to be a normal person. I was like, oh, my and then God. What do, and what does Raptor say as he kidnaps him? He says, I don't love Batman, but I can always count on him for staying on brand. <laughs> I really connected with this guy. I'm like, a lot. <laughs> I gotta I, does he have an action figure? I'm, I'm, I'm sure looking it he up. does. Anyway. But yeah, I agree. I think he was... I think he was an awesome character. Nightwing wakes up, starts talking to Damien. Damien walks out. He's next to this giant demon creature. There were a lot of things that I just did not understand about the Batcave. It seems like a very weird place and not a place for children. Um, but again, that's just that's on my list of things to talk about with Batman. So anyway, you have this inevitable showdown with Raptor. Right at the end, you get this panel where 
Nightwing realizes that he, that Raptor knew his mom when they worked at the circus, and he makes the connection that Raptor was this guy whose shtick, his act was he could feel no pain, which is really interesting because that's kind of a, a power that's not fleshed out a lot. I know Ajax had that power in Deadpool one, but that's pretty much the only other character I know of is just doesn't feel pain because it's not super practical. If you could still get injured, I don't know what the what good it is to not feel pain. It almost a detriment because your body's not warning you that something's wrong. But anyway, so Dick shows up, fights Raptor. They have a pretty awesome fight scene. And, and for me, this is a little bit like John Walker killing the terrorist. This is where I thought a good character went kind of south and I didn't really understand it. He's basically kidnapped Bruce, raised him up 150 feet on a crane, sharpened a silver spoon, <laughs> was going to use the silver spoon as a metaphor, right? Because Bruce always had the silver spoon. He's going to use the silver spoon to kill Bruce Wayne. He's mad that Bruce swooped in and took Dick Grayson away from the circus, away from his second family, which would have been the other circus performers, when um, Raptor essentially owed Dick's mom uh, for helping him at one point. He kind of owed her and basically was going to dedicate his life to protecting Dick Grayson, only to have Batman swoop in, Bruce Wayne, excuse me, swoop in and save him and kind of rob him of the opportunity of, of fulfilling essentially his life purpose at that point. Pretty interesting dynamic. Kind of sad to see it go kind of cartoonish and again, sharpened spinning silver spoon. Just, I don't know. I clocked out a little bit at that point. I was like, wow, this is ridiculous. He's clearly not going to win. It's Batman. And then Dick beats him up. Bruce Wayne falls. Actually, he jumps. He jumps. And I call back to earlier in the series where Nightwing said, he just wants to be there to support people, to catch them when they fall, to be their net, which is why his parents died as they fell during a trapeze act. It didn't have a net. So he wants to be the net for other people. And thus he gets to do that for Bruce Wayne and prove that Bruce Wayne needs Dick Grayson as much as Nightwing needs Batman. And it's beautiful and it's poetic. And unfortunately, Raptor is lying crippled on the ground with his limbs at like several different angles. It was actually pretty a pretty gruesome end for a character that I thought was pretty cool and uh, not sure how he's going to come back from that. And uh, I think we move on from there. So that was kind of the end there. Yep. Uh, yeah. I think I like the fact that Raptor was in the circus. Thought that was cool. Uh, the end gets super comic book tropey where it's like, it was like, it reminded me of like the mega mind scene where it's like, Oh, alligators are going to come up from the water and like, just super like, oh, he's in a trap. Someone's obviously going to break him out of the trap. I was like, man, I really liked everything. This last little section to hit this arc for Raptor. It's not the last time you see him, but it was pretty, pretty annoying. Yeah, I do like that he does call out um, Batman's kind of lack of really being what Gotham needs. Because um, that's, that's the biggest issue I have is just like, if he really is that filthy rich, why is Gotham like such a dump? Like, why is it so terrible? It's just like, it it doesn't make any sense to me that he's still flying around and supposedly the the savior of Gotham. So, I liked I did like that part. Well, I like how Raptor is kind of the asker of hard questions, right? He's willing to say like, what you're doing is not working. What Batman's teaching you is not. He makes a lot of great points. I really, I mean. 
he, he's not wrong for probably 85% of the story until, you know, again, like I sweet Kyle mentioned, it goes off the rails at the end, but he makes some great points. He talks about the value of, of kind of scrapping, of growing up in the circus, of growing up poor, but looking out for each other, not being handed everything in a silver suit and marketing yourself as a superhero while also not getting the job done. He's a really interesting character with, you know what? I, I was left feeling like he had more to say and he just didn't get to say it because it became time to have Nightwing save Bruce Wayne. And that was kind of a shame, but I don't know what I expected. Overall, would you say, how would you say this ranks as far as stories to read for Nightwing? I mean, you had us read it as an introduction. Would you say it's the number one Nightwing story? Uh, it's hard to say. It's one thing I didn't go over my, in my character breakdown. Nightwing is, it's got some great solo stuff. I also really enjoy reading him on the Titans team in Rebirth. Uh, that's a really good modern run because you see him lead out a team. So as far as like a solo series go, it's a pretty good starting point to jump on because uh, before that he was a kind of a secret agent. And so this is his kind of coming out of that back in the title of Nightwing. So I think it's a good jumping on point. Uh, the original Nightwing run in the 90s is really good too, but it's 90s. So it's a little outdated. Mm-hmm. Um got some good moments but i would say this is probably it's a really good place to start on if you're interested in nightwing and and get get into the character it's where i started and then i kind of dived into new 52 and the chuck dixon run before that and then the batman versus rob the batman and robin thing in 2009 too with damian wayne so i think it's a good starting point for sure yeah i i actually really enjoyed this i think it was because um it was an easier read but in the sense that it 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 was like entertaining, right? It was, I didn't feel like it was overdone. I didn't feel, there was a couple things that I, I wish, as you guys have mentioned with Raptor Story, I wish was a little bit different, but um, overall, like, yeah, I had a lot of fun reading this. Like I I was able to finish it in one, one go. I didn't have to break it up at all. Cause I was just like, oh man, this is, this is getting good. Yeah, it's really entertaining. It's just a fun read. Yeah, and I think for me, it, it solidified Nightwing as, as one of my favorite DC characters, if not my favorite. I think, again, it goes back to the idea of, of being a legacy character and then breaking out of that and being your own character. And then in a lot of ways, being more compelling than the guy who made you who you are. And that's that's pretty phenomenal. I mean, that, that should be the goal, right? I mean, everyone that Batman trains it should be Batman's goal. And it probably is to make them better than Batman. And I think that's, again, that's where the title comes in. And I think we're finally, we're seeing that as he gets, he gets his time in Titans and he gets his time in young justice and he gets his whole rebirth series. I think people are realizing that this is a fleshed out character who deserves the spotlight. Well, I'm happy if I can get people to like Superman (laughs) flash or Nightwing. We're good. I, I've accomplished something, so I'm glad we read it. <laughs> You're going to ride off into the sunset now. I am. I'm, I'm going to go to bed in tears. I really, I'm so happy right now. All right. So this week we wrapped up Nightwing, Invincible episodes one through four, and the Nightwing story arc, Better Than Batman. Next week we're going to talk about the character White Violin from the Umbrella Academy, followed by the actual graphic novel series, Umbrella Academy itself. And then we're going to break down Invincible episodes five through eight and where we think it's going from there. Okay. I think we're good for now, guys. Thanks for for hopping on and, and joining us on, on this podcast.